If you have your Bible, and I hope that you do, join me this morning, Romans chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 21 and continue our, our journey. Uh, that's really what it is, a journey with Paul uh, through, through this letter. But uh, before we do that, I'm just curious, after we watch that video, how, how much do y'all trust me? You trust me that much? You want to do a trust fall? Yeah, do you want to come up here and do our own trust fall? Yeah, okay. I can't believe it. Nobody trusts me enough, but. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, care. Yeah, no. She knows exactly how a trust fall would go. Yeah, don't trust me on that kind of stuff. I'm too easily distracted. I would tell you to fall and then I would turn to look at the squirrel running down the wall and and I would miss you but anyway we're going to continue on in our journey through the letter of Romans and as we've talked about so many times and and just real quick just back through a couple of things that's so very important for us to remember you know this is this is challenging and I hope for you as we've studied through this book, and we're just in the beginning. We've still got quite a ways to go, and I'm looking forward to that. I don't, I don't say that in a, in a way to say, man, we've still got a long way to go. I'm looking forward to all that we're going to learn together as we continue through this letter, and it is, it is challenging, and what I hope for you guys each week as we, as we go through a little bit more of the writing, that for you, you're drawn to to go in your in your quiet time and in your personal study and to go and and dig in a little more where we've been and then maybe even looking ahead to see what you know what's coming for us because we still have a whole lot to go through as we continue to learn and it's what Paul is stressing so very much and back to those verses in chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 where he tells us he's not ashamed of the gospel that he's proclaiming because what Paul is trying to get his audience to understand and then we have the advantage of having this letter today to get to read it and study it and learn really learn just how important all of this is it's not just it's it's not just church stuff and churchy words you know our relationship with Jesus Christ is so very important and the gospel alone the gospel is the answer to all of humanity's problems and Paul is stressing that to uh, his audience in Rome and you know, I, he's stressing it to us as well, even though when he wrote this, he had no idea that we were going to be reading it in 2022. He didn't write it for us, but we have, we have truly the advantage to get to have this and understand all, all of the things that he's challenging the people with then that face us now as we go through life and we suppress the truth or we come up with our own methods to get through things or we even bend the rules or manipulate the rules or use the rules in our favor to exclude somebody else. And we, you know, we spent a lot of time in that last week uh, where we're seeing how the rules were used to keep people away when that wasn't the design of God's plan from the beginning. You know, God had challenged 
um, the people through Abraham, through the beginning of the people of Israel, that that message would be carried to the world, not just to a particular group of people that had a particular bloodline, but that salvation was for the world and they were the messengers. And we'll even get to dig into some of that next week in chapter four. No, not next week, week after next in chapter four, when we talk about the life of Abraham. And we'll really get to, to see some of that and, and dig into it. But that overarching theme for this letter that I really want you to hang on to, the righteousness of God. That's what Paul is stressing to us, the righteousness of God and how we can be right with God, how we can be right with ourselves, and how we can be right with others. And all of that is through the gospel. And all of that is through a relationship with Jesus Christ first. That's the priority. We've always got to remember that and keep him first in everything and understand religion won't fix stuff. Coming to church doesn't fix stuff because as we individually chase after Christ, we realize the depth of the issue of sin. And that's, again, that's what Paul wants his audience to see and, again, what we have the advantage to have this letter, to get to understand what, uh, what he was teaching 2,000 or so years ago. So our text this morning, and we're going we're gonna to walk through this in pieces. We're not going to just read it all and then take a look at it. We're going to walk through it, um, not verse by verse, but pretty close to verse by verse. But here's something about this text, Romans 3, verses 21 through 31, that's so very important. Uh, to understand many scholars, many uh, people a whole lot smarter than me or any of us in the room except maybe a couple of you. This little paragraph of verses 21 through 31 is considered the center point, the center point of this letter to Rome. Everything kind of comes, comes to a point right here as Paul's writing. And some even say that it's the most important paragraph in the Bible. That's how important what we're studying is this morning. And and I have been praying all week long and before as we were approaching this, that this morning we do justice to the importance of this as we study it together. That's, that's my prayer for all of us. And what we're going to see in one of the verses just right off the bat, that one of the first building blocks of what we call the Roman road which is one of those things that teaches us how to be right with God and, and how Christianity is separate. Being a believer in Christ, putting your faith in Christ, is separate from most of the other religions of the world where works are included or good deeds are included or earning things as you go or part of the process. And, and for us as believers... There's nothing that we can do, nothing that we can do. It's all about faith. It has nothing to do with us. It has to do with our faith in Christ and what he accomplished for us. So let's, let's dig straight into the text and uh, see, what, see what we can learn together this morning. So starting in verse 21, uh, we'll read the first uh, three verses together. Paul writes for us, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him 
him being God, him being Jesus, without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Again, this has been, this has been the plan all along. Verse 22, we are made right with God. Right? Right with God. By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. In verse 23, this will be really familiar to you. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And we're going to stop right there on purpose because there's so much in, in verse 24 and ahead. But we're going we're gonna to stop right there. And we all know, and again, that, and I say we all know, there may be somebody here this morning that doesn't know, doesn't understand what we're talking about, the Roman road. Um, it's it's a, a way to explain the gospel to someone using verses out of Romans. And Romans 3.23 is one of the first verses when we're sharing with someone about putting our faith in Christ. Because it is true, for everyone has sinned. We all fall, fall short of God's glorious standard. We all fall short of... Everything related to the righteousness of God. And, it, you know, it brings up a question that is a question that we all ask and a, a question that I think sometimes we answer too simply or maybe even a little bit nonchalant. But the question, how can sinners be saved? How can sinners be saved? And that, that is a huge question, a wide open question with a really big answer, but at the same time with an answer that's really simple. It's just hard to wrap our heads around it. How can sinners be saved? Through justification by faith. That's how we're saved. And we're going we're gonna to dig into that a whole lot deeper. But here's the thing for justification to understand. It's not a process. Justification is not a process, and there's no degrees of justification. Because sometimes we, all of us, will we'll, we'll measure sin. We all do. We'll measure sin. We'll rank sin. We'll rank ourselves as sinners and followers of Christ. And in justification, there, there's, not, there's not a rank and a file. And there's not a process where we're just a little bit justified. And then he's going to justify us more and more as we go. We are justified by faith when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And it is an act of God. It's not anything that we do. We put our faith in Christ, but the justification is an act of God. And here's, here's a, a statement um, that still may not be simple to understand, but trying to explain what that means. God, in his act of justification, he declares the believing sinner, he declares me righteous in Christ on the basis of the finished work of Christ on the cross. That's, that's what it means. And you know, a few weeks ago we talked about how I, I shared with you when I was trying to explain to students justification, just it, as if I had not. That's, that's what we receive from God. Again, let me read that statement. He declares the believing sinner righteous in Christ on the basis 
of the finished work of Christ on the cross. And again, there's, there's no degrees to this. There's no levels of justification. Each and every believer, get this, because I think this is something we definitely need to, to really put our thought around and put our heart around in understanding what it means for the justification that God has given us. Each believer has the same right standing before God. Every believer has the same right standing before God. When we put our faith in Christ and God justifies us, we're equal. He doesn't make us righteous. He doesn't make us righteous. God alone is righteous, but he declares us righteous. And it, it kind of comes down to um, almost some legal understandings and a, a, a legal matter and explanation maybe to, to help understand it. He puts the righteousness of Christ on our record. I'm not going to ask if anybody in the room has a record. We'll just assume that we've all had a speeding ticket and we have a speeding ticket on our record. And he, here's the thing. Here, here's how this, this justification works and God placing the righteousness of Christ on our record. He places that righteousness of Christ on our record in place of our sinfulness and in place of our record. We talk all the time about Jesus Christ coming to earth, God in flesh, living a perfect life on earth. Think about it. Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life on earth. And when we put our faith in him, when we put our faith in Christ, that life that he lived, that heart that he has, that love that he has for people, that's what shows up on our record. I... I don't understand. I get it. The words make sense, and I understand the definitions. But, man, that, I don't, wow, right? That, that really is. That's, that's, a, that's a wow moment to really understand what God through Christ has done for us. Our record looks like Jesus, and no one can change it. When we put our faith in Christ, and, and his righteousness is put on us, imputed on us. Nobody can change that. Nobody can change that. And we're all, <laughs> we're all equal before God. Words are simple, but man, the understanding of that in the heart is so difficult because we get weighed down by everything in life going on around us. I know that we do. I do. And I start comparing myself. And I, I start considering what I've done. And I'm not worthy. And there's no way. And, man, I'm down here. But the truth is, man, I'm, I'm here with, with Christ because I've put my faith in him. Now, there, there is another word. And, and in the original Greek text and, and, and interpretation, there's, there's several words that come out of this. But another word that we find in the text is sanctification. And there's, there's a difference in those two. Remember, justification is an act of God that he declares us righteous in Christ. 
Sanctification is a process that we all go through as believers. Sanctification is the process by which God makes us more and more like Christ day by day. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It's a day by day, hour by hour, even minute by minute process. And the truth about sanctification is it can look different every day. That process looks different every day depending on how we respond to Christ. Justification, again, never changes and can never be taken away. And the words, those words to the audience in Rome then, I think are just like the words to us today. Those, that idea is just almost overwhelming to really think about and consider what God has done for us through Christ. He looks on us and deals with us as if we've never sinned at all all I mean we could stop right there he deals with us and looks at us as if we have never sinned at all but let's keep going we've still got a few more verses to cover verse 24 I just want to look at this one verse Paul writes for us yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. And just real quick, a couple of thoughts on there, on that verse. And again, coming out of verse 23, that verse that many of us do know that we've sinned and we fall short, but Paul is reminding us of the grace of God and that justification that is so freely given without a cause. It's all grace. All grace. And again, nothing that we could do to merit the salvation. Grace is a free gift. A free gift. The debt, another way to put it, the debt has been settled. No, no paybacks and no takebacks. You know, sometimes as we go through life, sadly, and maybe now for us as believers we don't do this so much anymore, but when we were especially younger, take something back, give somebody something, and you take it back, you know, that's mine. Jesus doesn't do that. He, he freely gives us grace and justifies us, and he doesn't take it back based on how we behave or what we do. He's freely given us that gift, and he's, he, 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 he took everything on in our place. Everything that we've done, Everything that we will do on the cross, Jesus, in my place, my sin bearer, everything from my heart on him. And he did that freely, without question, without hesitation, and no take backs. No, I knew he wasn't going to do what I wanted him to do, so we'll just, we'll, re, we'll revoke his membership. You know, I've had that struggle in life where I felt like whatever it was that I had, he was just going to revoke it at any moment because there's, there's no way that I deserve this. And the answer to that is, that's right. I don't deserve it. 
and there's no way that I can keep it? The answer to that is, that's right. There's no way you can keep it. But he freely gave me, gave us justification, the righteousness of Christ through the work of Christ on the cross. And it doesn't go away. You know, and for us in Thanksgiving, if there's nothing else in our world to be thankful for, if, if life is throwing lemons and we can't pick them up fast enough to make the lemonade, one thing that we, we should hold on to for not just the Thanksgiving season, but right now to be mindful of, we should be so very thankful for the free gift of grace through Jesus Christ. We have so much to be thankful for. And I pray that all of you have things other than, and I'm not diminishing it, but other things in your life to be thankful for as well. Let's go back to the text. Romans 3, uh, picking up in verse 25. We'll look at 25 and 26 as we continue through our, our journey. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Again, remember or what I said just a second ago, my sin on him. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Again, we're just we're kind of getting we're kind of getting deeper in the thought, and again, this idea that this is this is the uh, the crux of the matter. This is that important paragraph for us to remember in, in this letter. No amount, no amount of good deeds that we do or try to do can restore God's glory because of the sin in our life. But we all can be justified freely by putting our faith in Christ. Martin Luther, if any of you know who Martin Luther is, he said it this way. We are simultaneously righteous and a sinner. At the same time, we are simultaneously righteous and a sinner, but it's not held against us. I mean, I, I know Paul wrote this, but I can, like I've shared with you before, I can also in my mind play it out where Paul is preaching this and and saying this to people in in a town square or in the temple or wherever he might have had the opportunity to teach and and declaring this goodness of God and this free gift of grace and looking out on the crowd and just thinking how can they not how can they not grab hold of this how can they not put their faith in Christ how can they not connect with this and, you know, we know in, in just in the world around us, some people don't. Um, but my heart, I, and I'm sure like yours, is, man, I wish they would. I wish they would really understand 
what Paul's writing for us in the truth and the reality of the gospel and how, how Christ redeems us because he loves us. And that word redeem, that's another one of these words in this text that, uh, that comes out. And, and, and that word in itself is, is meaning to, to buy something back. And, and that's truly what Christ has done for us. He's bought us back through his grace, bought us back, exchanged our sin for his righteousness. And, and think about it this way. I'm, I'm not going to say the, the example I'm going to use is my original, but I'm not going to say this idea is original. I heard somebody share this in a way to try to understand it. But we were, we were at a large local grocer yesterday getting stuff for Thanksgiving, and they had a coupon. And, and this is really a way to think about what that redemption, what, God, what Christ has done for us. They had, a, they had a coupon. If you buy a ham, you get a free turkey. And, and this, this is, think about it this way. The turkey, if, if you go there and you buy that ham and you get the free turkey, you've redeemed that coupon. The turkey didn't cost you anything, right? Turkey didn't cost you anything. But it cost somebody something. In that case, it cost the manufacturer that turkey. But it didn't cost you anything. The redemption of Jesus Christ, that grace so freely given, the justification that we have didn't cost us anything. But it cost him everything because he took our mess on himself. And freed us from all the penalties that come with that. And in, in this text, one of, the, one of the things that we can definitely understand, God is perfectly consistent. And God cannot violate his own law and his own nature. This idea, this doctrine of justification by faith establishes the law. And God, through his perfection, is obeying his own law, working out the plan of salvation. For all the arguments that Paul would have received and all the arguments that we can make, God is working out that plan that was his plan from the beginning. And he can't contradict himself. This, this was his plan from the beginning. And part of Paul's audience, that's what they've missed. You know, we, we've talked about the idea of, of them standing there shaking their finger at somebody when Paul was talking about all the wrong things that the other people had done. And they're like, you're right, Paul. Man, they're terrible. And all those other fingers were pointing back at them because they had missed the opportunity that God had given them. And the law itself cannot provide righteousness. Justification, the righteousness of Christ, comes by believing in and trusting in Christ. And it puts us in a position. It really does. It puts us in a position that it's impossible to boast about anything that we have done. We can't boast about anything because, again, just like that, that free turkey, it didn't cost us anything, but it cost Christ everything. And the only thing that we can boast in is Christ alone. Nothing that we've done. We haven't, 
We haven't earned anything. We haven't justified anything. We can't do enough to take care of things, but Christ alone in his blood has showered us with grace and has justified us and made us, made our records clean and clear in God's eyes. Romans 3, verse 27 through 31, through the end of our, our section here this morning. Can we boast then? No, we just talked about that. There's nothing that we can boast. That we have done anything to be accepted by God. No, because our, our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. And grab your Bibles and your pen as we go through this little section. Underline the word faith every time we see it. It's based on faith, and I know our translations are different. Um, so we're made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does it mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. And I told you to underline faith as we went through that. It must have been important. It must have been important. Paul wanted people to understand the idea of faith because in the translation that I'm reading from, just in those few verses right there, he emphasized it five times. And he's emphasizing for us that everything, everything is accomplished through faith in Christ. And faith is only as good as the object that we place it in. You know, we, we go through life and I ask if anybody trusted me enough to come up here and do a trust fall. And maybe for a minute, somebody might trust me enough. But you know, faith is only as good as what you place it in, the object that you put your trust in. And when that lets you down, when I missed, when you fell, you're not going to have faith or trust in me anymore. But... Christians, believers, followers of Christ, we put our faith, we put our trust in Christ alone. And Christ Jesus will never fail. He will never fail. He never leaves us alone. And we can boast in that. We can brag. We should brag. Not about our church. And not about our religion. And not about our quiet time. And not about our prayer time. But we should boast and brag about Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. We have plenty to boast about in the justification that we have through Jesus Christ. And that good news, that gospel, that declaration is available for Everyone, no matter who they are, no matter the differences that they have, no matter anything, that good news, that gospel, that justification of Jesus Christ is available for anybody. And we have an opportunity constantly, every day with people around us, to boast 
and brag about Jesus Christ and let them see. Remember the bubbles above our head. Let them see that our lives speak of and declare the name of Jesus Christ alone. I, I wish for all of us, I pray for all of us, that that's true or becomes true so that the world could know. And, and when I say the world, I mean it because there's no telling who we impact and who they will impact and who they will impact. And it can go around the world. Our encounter with one person can make a difference around the world in lives of millions of people. It really can. And I pray that that is, that is the reflection. Our heart, our lives are the reflection of Jesus Christ in that way. But here's, here's four takeaways that I have for us wrapping up that, especially that little section, but our text this morning in regards to the importance that Paul is emphasizing on our faith in Christ. Faith eliminates the pride of human effort. It really does. When we put our faith in Christ, it eliminates our pride and what we're trying to do. Because it's not about us doing things. It's about what Christ has done for us. Faith also exalts what God has done. Our faith speaks about what God has done in our lives. Faith admits that we need help. Our faith in Christ admits that we need help and we can't do it alone. We're not weak when we say that. You know, especially for us guys in life, we've been taught we're weak if we say that we need help. We're not weak with our faith telling Jesus Christ that we need help. And that is, that's in my prayer every day. And you've heard me as I've prayed, we need you. I mean that with all my heart because I need him every second of every day. And then the fourth thing about faith, it's based on a relationship, not our performance. It's based on our relationship with Christ. So those four things, one more time. Faith eliminates the pride of human effort. Faith exalts what God has done. Faith admits that we need help. And faith is based on relationship, not performance. So to wrap up before we worship again, I've got one more I've got one more text of Scripture that I want to read to you. This is not on the screen. I just want you to listen really, really close. Uh, this is from Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, which is also Paul. Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, talking more and more about this idea of grace and justification and faith and, and all of that, all that it means in a relationship with Christ. And this is from the Amplified Bible. And what the Amplified Bible does, if, if, you've never, uh, if you've never explored it, I know it's available on the, on the Bible app. It's not adding to the Word, but it emphasizes things and it gives a little explanation. And everything's in parentheses. What, what's been added, they put in parentheses. But those parentheses are an extended explanation of what the writer is saying. So listen to this. This is Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10. And this is a lot longer than what you would find in your Bible because the writing has been amplified to help us understand. So here we go. 
For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God. That's just verse 8. Verse 9. Not a, as a result of your works, nor your attempt to keep the law, so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set so that we could walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Again, it's all through and because of Jesus Christ. And we are justified by our faith in Him, not because of anything that we have done or could do, so that we can't boast about anything but Christ alone. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together this morning, and then we will worship. Father, uh, this morning, God, we are, we're so thankful and God, we do, we praise your name this morning because of grace. And God, how you have justified us and given us the righteousness of Christ through the work that Christ alone did on the cross. And God, I pray that we don't, we don't miss the opportunities around us for others to see and to know what you've done in our lives. And God, as you, as you change us daily, as you sanctify us, God, I pray that we're always just ready and willing to allow you to change the things in our hearts and in our lives that need to be changed. Because, God, we know there's a bunch. And, Father, this morning, we are so thankful and so grateful. But, God, we still, we still need you. And, God, we still, and I, I, I know we struggle sometimes, but, Father, we do. We trust you. And, Father, we love you. Not because you've just given us something but because of how you've loved us. So, Father, we do. We just say thank, thank you, and we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together.